Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, and you should also be Okay. passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. Can we... You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Sir, we... Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Mm, okay. Now, if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, tip number 95. Um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily. And the more confused they are, the more ashamed they are. The more ashamed they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no. The privilege, no. The glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with. Everyone, really? <laughs> yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh... Check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. <laughs> Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. Says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? <laughs> I also use these tracks. <laughs> so what about talking to people about your faith? I, I don't really like people, but I love Jesus. <laughs> Scripture mint? Hi, my name is George. And I'm Jorge, and together we're George and Jorge. Right, right. Uh, what we like to do is to take secular songs and reprogram them. Yes, the purpose is for evangelism. We like to take songs to the unbelieving world and make it believable. Right, right. Let us give you a sample right now. Why don't you just give it all up to Jesus tonight? Pray for your soul today, for your soul today. Just pray. I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God, 
to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a Savior. Amen. You know, I love that video because... I think sometimes we can make evangelism and sharing our faith into this huge, big thing, right? Just this, even a monster, right? Or a monster. We just make it into something that's completely impossible. And yet, sharing our faith, often it's just being a friend. Like in that video, just inviting your friend to church. I had this crazy experience this last year. I was meeting with a friend, Brett Thompson. He's a really good friend. I don't know, three, four months. Every three or four months, we go out to coffee and um, he's the head football coach, actually, over at Kent Lake High School. And, and when we get together, we just talk about Jesus. And this last time we met, he just said, Dan, you just need to know I'm so thankful for you. And I said, man, I'm thankful for you, too. And he, he's like, no, because you don't understand. He goes, I'm a Christian because of you. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, don't you remember? He goes, you invited me to that church retreat at Ocean Shores when we were in seventh grade. He goes, that's where I gave my life to the Lord. And it's amazing how simple it is. Right? You don't need a degree in theology. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a female or a male. Anyone at any time can play your part in telling the world about Jesus. I think in, like that video showed, and it really is so true, it's actually a lot simpler than sometimes we make it out to be. This week in our Rooted Books, we're going to discover that you and I, we were actually created and meant to share our story of faith with other people. It's one of the great privileges we actually have as Christ followers. At the end of the book of Matthew, in chapter 28, Jesus, he's speaking with his disciples. And you've all heard this portion of Scripture before, and we call this portion of Scripture the Great Commission. This is what Jesus says. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples... To obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As Jesus' disciples, and most of us in this room, we're disciples of Jesus. We're under his teaching, right? We learn from Jesus. We obey Jesus. Well, guess what? As you read that, guess what we do? We go, right? We go. We make disciples of all nations. We baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We teach these new disciples to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. And why do we do this? We do it because Jesus has called us to this. Now when you pair the great commission, Matthew 28, when you pair that with the great commandment, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, I think you actually get a pretty good picture of what it means to be a Christian. Right? You love God, you love others, and you go. And you tell the world about Jesus. You make disciples. You make disciples. But how does that actually look? In real life. I don't, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I just want you to think. How many of you have actually ever made a disciple? Like you just made a disciple. From the very beginning to the very end, start to finish, you made someone to be a disciple of Jesus. I think most of us, we'd say, no, I, I've never done that. We, none of us would raise our hands to that. And again, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever led someone in a sinner's prayer, right? That confession of faith where someone prayed and they wanted to give their life to the Lord. Now, I think many of us would actually raise our hands and say, yeah, I've actually done that. Others of you, maybe you would say, no, I've never had the privilege to do that. 
Now, personally, I've had the opportunity to do that more times than I can remember, and, and it's pretty awesome, and it's been different kinds of settings and living rooms and at camps and one time in a dorm room. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, this is a great story, my friend Mike Ayers, you guys know Jacob Ayers, uh, the guy who was the missionary to Ghana, his dad, Mike, uh, was my electric guitar player in Spokane, one of the greatest examples I know of fulfilling the Great Commission, uh, just by far. He was the chef at Black Angus in Spokane. And he was so, so awesome because he loved Jesus, but he also loved people. And so as the chef in, 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 uh, at the Black Angus in Spokane, he would just shine. He would just shine in, in the way he lived and the way he went about his business. Just shined Jesus. And so, of course, employees would uh, begin to ask questions and different co-workers would ask questions. He'd talk to them and, and he'd actually invite them to church. He was really good at inviting people to church. I met several of his co-workers. I mean, by far, way more than a dozen of his co-workers as he invited them to church. But I'll never forget this one time. Mike calls me up. It's in the middle of the week. And he says, hey, Pastor Dan, one of the cooks, he wants to give his life to the Lord, and, and he wants you to do it. And I was like, well, don't wait for me. Like, just do it now. Just pray for him. And, and you know, let's, yeah, let's do it. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, he told me specifically he wants uh, you, you, you to pray for him. And uh, back then we had a Saturday night service, and then we had three Sunday morning services. And this guy, he said he wanted to give his life to the Lord before the 10 a.m. service. So if I could do that before the 10 a.m. service. So sure enough, it's like 9.55. I'm sitting there at the front of the stage, and down walks this young man, uh, early 20s. And I said, hey, man, wh- what are you doing here? And he says, well... I, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And so I prayed for him, and it was, come on, awesome, right? I mean, crazy experience. I can't tell you I've had an experience like that before that time or after that time, but I have had that privilege of leading many people into that commitment to Christ, right, where they pray to the Lord, ask him into their lives, and, and it is an awesome experience. But the reason why I asked how many of you have led someone to Christ before is because in that story that I just shared, and it's a great story, But who really was the one who was fulfilling the Great Commission? Now, I had a part to play, but let's be honest. The part I played, it was a very, very small part. I think more if you looked at it, if there was a scale, you'd say, well, actually, Mike, right? Uh, My guitar player, he he had a a greater part in the whole thing. He had invested that time in his co-worker, encouraging him, loving on him. But I think if we really look at it through the proper lens, the whole fulfillment of the Great Commission in that situation, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about Mike. Who's it about? It's about God. It was about God and the work that God was doing in that guy's life, right? It's God's grace, God's love, God's power. And then praise the Lord. And this is when it's just awesome being a Christian. Praise the Lord. Mike and I and countless other people had the privilege and the honor of being a part of it. Right? People I don't even know. People I'll never even see on this side of the eternity. God used to lead this man on a journey, lead him to a place where he said yes to eternal life that only Jesus can give. But don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in what part you play. I think too many people just stress and get just crazy on what part you play. And not what part, but also how you play your part. Don't, don't get caught up in that. If you've never led someone in a sinner's prayer, you need to know. Again, that's just a sliver of what it means to fulfill the Great Commission. Maybe that's not the part that he's called you to play yet. Maybe you'll have that opportunity later down the road, but also just relax. Maybe you won't. Maybe that's not what he's called you to. But whatever he has called you to do, this part, I hope you're listening, be sure to do it. Does that make sense? Whatever part he does have for you, obey the Lord. As Christians, we obey the Lord. And as a Christian, obey the Lord. Do what he's asking you to do. 
as his child, I want you to hear this. God has a plan for you. God wants to use you to be a part of his plan of salvation. But we also got to understand this. There's a thousand different ways he might use you. A thousand different ways. Maybe it's to pray for someone. Maybe someone's struggling or having a bad day and uh, you just, the Lord asks you to just pray for them. I heard uh, from someone this week, they were saying that a coworker or um, that actually the, God has just been opening door after door for them to pray for their coworkers. And again, in a very non-Christian environment, but just doors are opening for them to pray. Other times, maybe the Lord uses it to encourage someone. Other times, it's to share your personal story of faith. Other times, it's to stand for your faith, right? Have you ever been in that environment where everyone's just kind of mocking Christianity and mocking Christians, and the Lord kind of just leads you in there and gives you an opportunity to stand for Him, and, and when you do, the people take notice? Other times, the Lord uses you to just serve someone, right? Just to bless someone. Show loves, uh, Christ's love in the way that you talk to them, the way you treat them, the way you care for them, the way you bless them. There's just a thousand different ways that you and I can play a part of God's plan of redemption. God's plan of bringing His people, His creation, back into relationship with Him. But if you're a Christian, I just hope you hear this today. He has a role for you to play. And again, it's, I think it's a role that's much simpler than we could ever imagine. We, again, we think sharing our faith has to be this huge, big, intense moment where the guy walks down the aisle at 9.55 and, you know, we lead him into this big thing. Once in a blue moon, that happens. More than not, I think the Great Commission is fulfilled in simple ways. Simple ways. I think in how we live our day-to-day lives. Maybe where you work. Maybe you work at a local business in town and you work with a bunch of people who don't know Jesus. But as you continue day after day, faithfully, year after year, you begin to be known. Known as someone who works hard. Known as someone who doesn't do sloppy work. Someone who gives their best. Someone that the company can count on to finish what they started. Someone who meets deadlines. Someone that even when the boss is away and everyone else kind of gets lazy and starts taking shortcuts. No, you have an integrity. You work diligently, ethically, responsibly. As a Christian, I think how you work is a huge part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Because people actually begin to see Christ in the way that you go about your business. First Thessalonians says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then look at this. He says, then people who are not believers, what? Will respect the way you live. Another great passage in Colossians, work willingly at whatever you do. Willingly. Willingly. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. I love that passage. See, there might be someone that's in a position over you. Maybe they think they have power over you. Maybe they think they own you. Maybe they think you're just working for them, that they control you. But even in the worst situations, you can always remember you're not even doing it for them. They aren't your master. Jesus is. You're working for Jesus. And Jesus has an inheritance for you as a reward. And so your workplace can become this mission field where how you work becomes the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And I think it's important to talk about work and talk about our jobs because a big portion of our lives, for most of us, is in our place of employment. It is. Just think about the hours upon hours and hours that you spend at work. And I've found that just how we work, as Christians, how we work can really be a witness to those around us. 
Because hopefully how Christ followers work looks a little different than how the world works, how the world thinks about work, how the world talks about work. Some of my greatest opportunities for witnessing came long before I was a pastor. Long before I was a pastor. They were actually while I was at work. In jobs, by the way, where, where I was the low man on the totem pole. Whether I was running files around as a file boy at the doctor's office or cleaning the windows and the toilets of new construction houses, I just began to realize that how I worked, so not just what I did, but how I did it, I began to realize, man, this really matters. The spirit in which I worked mattered. The attitude in which I worked mattered. Have you noticed that in your own life? That how you work at your jobs, that it matters? Have you noticed that? That how you go about your work, it matters. How you talk at work, how you walk at work. The people around you, by the way, did you know they're watching you? Did you know that? They're watching you. Watching you. And when you're working as unto the Lord, people take notice. Because there's just something different about you when you're doing it for Jesus. I worked off and on at Nordstrom's for four years. I was a stock boy. Stock boy, pretty insignificant in the hierarchy of the company of Nordstrom's. But as much as possible, and a lot of this came from the instruction of my parents, how, how they raised me, they, they, they encouraged me in this, that I'd make a point to come on time, that I wouldn't leave early, that I'd do my work as much as possible with excellence. And you know, as time passed and the longer I was an employee, it just kind of came out slowly and surely that I was a Christian. And those were some of the best days of my life. I mean, it was awesome because I'll never forget it. My coworkers just began to be a little curious about my faith. Have you had that happen? It's just kind of cool, right? It's an exciting thing as a Christian where they just start pulling you in and start asking these questions. Some of my most memorable conversations about Jesus was with a lady who was a pretty powerful woman at Nordstrom's, but she would pull me into her office and she had this big thing of malt balls, uh, whoppers, and she'd just give me some whoppers and she'd just start asking me about Jesus. Just telling me, asking all these things and uh, asking all these questions. Um, now, some of the questions came from hurt and pain. Uh, you'll notice that when people start talking to you about Jesus. But she uh, was able to ask me those questions, and I answered while I ate the Whopper malt balls and <laughs> probably did something to my figure as well. But um, great times. I, I was thinking about, I played the piano at Green River Community College, and I was actually a part-time employee there, so I didn't just get to play the piano. I also did a lot of paperwork, and so I was administrative assistant for the music department there, and the music director and I, we became really good friends, and I remember he just pulled me into his office, and again, just asked me all these questions about God. Intense at times, painful at times, there was a lot going on there, but he opened up, and he let me share uh, my faith with him. Now, if you've ever been in that kind of environment, not everyone is open to that. Have you noticed that, right? For some people, when they find out you're a Christian, whoop, right? They just kind of close off. You ever done that? <laughs> this is totally sidetracked, but I've done that where normally when I get a haircut and I tell someone I'm a pastor, we just talk and it goes really well. But there was this one time I said I was a pastor. I should have said it way later in the haircut because <laughs> things changed really fast and it got very awkward. And she had scissors and I was in her chair. <laughs> but you know, even that story, that's a few people. A few people will be that way. But most people, I think, and I know from my experience, you know, they're open. Right? They'd ask me questions. It's actually harder for me now that I'm a pastor. I was thinking about it this week. Harder for me because it can kind of be intimidating when you hear 
that I'm a pastor. But back then, I was just a stock boy. I was just a human being talking with another human being. And we just have to be talking about something that really, really matters. Now, I also want you to know that I didn't lead any of those people in the sinner's prayer. None of them. But I'm very confident that I was playing my part. I played my part in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And again, we all have a part to play. Lifespring, you have a part to play. God wants to reveal himself through you. Now, the people, the, and the idea that people around you are watching you at work, that's true. But they're also watching you at school. They're watching you in the grocery store. They're watching you in your home. I, I think many people, they want to believe God. They just don't see God. They don't see God in their day-to-day life. What if people saw God in you? What if they discovered the reality of God? What if they discovered the reality of the love of God through you and the way you treat other people and the way you speak to people? People are watching, and that's why it's so important how you live the Christian life. It matters. Paul says this in the way that we live. He says, he says do not cause anyone to stumble. You've got to remember, when you come into any room, you're always carrying Christ with you. That's one of the great privileges of having Christ in us, is that wherever we go, Christ goes with us. We carry Christ into every room in which we enter. So to live our lives as Christ would call us to live, as we do that, the world actually begins to see Christ in us and through us. That's in our successes, that's in our failures, that's in our triumphs, that's also in the ability for us to forgive others, but also for us to ask for forgiveness. It all reminds me of Matthew chapter 5. This is one of Jesus' great sayings. He says, you are the what? Light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He says, no one hides a lamp or no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Right? That would be foolishness. What a foolish use of a lamp. He says, no, a lamp, where is it placed? It's placed on a stand. And why is it on that stand? So that it can give light to everyone in the house. And then he goes to us and he says, well, in the same way, your good deeds, let them shine for everyone to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Right? Let who you are, what you say, what you do, let just the very being, the core of who you are, let it just shine so brightly that everyone would praise your heavenly Father. And I'm so happy we're talking about this today because often I think, again, when we're talking about our faith, when we're talking about fulfilling that great commission, Matthew 28, we just kind of stress ourselves out. I, I talk to a lot of people and you just see the anxiety well up with them. There's just the stress and the fear well up with them when I talk about sharing your faith. It's like, man, you just got to give this amazing speech or this perfect sermon where you, you know, just kind of let it loose for 20 or 30 minutes and then your friend or your colleague or your family member or whoever, they just respond and they give their life to God. By the way, sometimes that happens. In fact, I want to say to some of you in this room, that's exactly how God's going to use you. You're going to speak. You're going to give this amazing 20, 30-minute talk, and they're just going to be like, wow, I want what you have. How do I get that? And you're going to help lead them to Christ. That's what happened to me in that dorm room where I just shared for like 30 minutes, and they're like, yeah, count me in. I believe everything you just said. I want, I want to accept Jesus Christ. But for the rest of us, and I think actually for most of us, it's going to look way simpler than that, way simpler. Yeah, maybe it's you at a baseball game, and, and you're, you're just enjoying the game, but everyone else around you is drinking too much, right? They're just drinking too much. But then there you are, and you're there too, but you're having a blast, but you're having fun in a way where you're still in control, where you're not under the influence, and you're not doing anything that you're going to be embarrassed about the next morning, but you're still there having fun, shining the light, loving people with the love of Christ. 
Or in the next few weeks, many of you are going to be going to the company Christmas party. Man, those can be really awkward. I'll never forget uh, living in the basement of an air conditioning company in Spokane. And the air conditioning company was having their Christmas party upstairs. And I made the mistake of going up there and having some older uh, individuals start hitting on me. And I couldn't get downstairs back into that basement quick enough. It was one of the most uncomfortable moments of my life. But that's what happens, right? Christmas parties, awkward flirting, lines can be crossed that should never be crossed. But as a Christian, you're just not going to participate in that. You can still be there. You can still have a good time, enjoy yourself, but you're going to do it in a way that's responsible, in a way that's mature and safe, in a way that respects you, but also respects and honors those around you. But you can do it in a way that shines Jesus, but is also kind of fun. You don't have to be a killjoy in those settings. I think we ought to get this. Christianity, it is kind of fun. Like, again, when I was growing up, before I was a pastor, my goal as a young Christian was to always have the most fun of anybody else around me. Like, because I wanted people to know that being a Christian was fun. Because sometimes in the church that I grew up, it seemed like Christians were just the no fun police. Anyone else have that experience? Right? Just some of the most negative, judgmental, grumpy, sour people on planet Earth. But Christianity can be very fun, and the great thing about Christian fun is you don't have to feel guilty about it later on. I'll never forget, I was on a cruise with a choir, and I was the piano player. It was awesome. Seven-day Alaska cruise. I got a free cruise out of the deal. All I had to do was play the piano at the front of the ship on a Friday night while the people danced. Great gig. But I was pretty young, and everyone else was much older. But we hung out a lot. We, we We had a good time. It was a blast. But I remember at dinner... We would take turns buying the wine for the mill. And they would drink a little, sometimes more than a little. But then they told me, and this was the first night, I'll never forget it. They told me first night that their mission on this seven-day Alaska cruise was to get me to drink. Because they said, if I was this much fun sober, then how much more fun would I be after a couple of glasses of wine? Now, I'm pretty stubborn. I didn't drink at all. I could care less about drinking. But I did have fun. Oh, I had fun. I was dancing. I was singing karaoke. I was doing it all. I I mean, I was just at every show. I had a blast. But I did it in a way that honored the Lord as, uh, truly honored the Lord and honored my body as the temple of God. I've always felt that part of our witness as Christians is to show people that we can be happy. That we can have a good time. We can have fun. We can enjoy ourselves without having to smoke something, drink something, take something to make it happen. I mean, church, we don't need that stuff. Who do we got? We got the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13 tells us, and the believers, they were filled with joy. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want the world around us to see. It's the joy that is found in the Holy Spirit of God. Do you mind turning up the heat a little bit? I'm just freezing. It is so cold. Pastor Randy, I'm glad you're here today. Pastor Randy and I, we face some dark things together. As pastors, we go into rooms that are really intense. And there are serious situations, not laughing matters at all. There's a somberness to it. There's a seriousness to it. There's a lot of crying, a lot of tears. Um, just the intensity of, of being pastors and pastoring together. But when Randy and I are just hanging out, you are going to hear so much laughing. You will think that we are on something. (laughs) 
you're, you're going to ask our spouses, what is going on at home? Because there are times when we just can't stop laughing. I remember we were on staff, Pastor Chad, founding father of this church. Uh, we were both on staff, and there was times when we just couldn't even look at each other. Because if we'd look at each other, we would just start cracking up. And I love it. Why? Because there's just a joy in being with Jesus. I think part of sharing Jesus with the world, part of fulfilling the Great Commission, it's sharing our joy, the joy of what Jesus has done in us. I remember I had a, girl, a girlfriend in college who would tell me that the joy I had, it was just because I was a good person. That she would tell me that my happiness was just because I was born that way. And so then I'm like, no way, right? It's because of Jesus. But she wouldn't believe me. And so then, I don't know if you've ever been in this discussion before, but it, then you have to like say all these terrible things about yourself just to prove what God has done. So like I'm just telling her, you know, like I was judgmental, I was sarcastic, I'd tear people down, I was, you know, just, you know, put people down to build myself up. Like I just dug up all the dirt that was ever found on me just to show her that I was the worst, but that Jesus had done a really good work in me and that naturally I wasn't a nice person, but God, Jesus had done something in me. Why did I care about that so much? Because I wanted her to know we all want the person to know that it's because of jesus right the saving power of jesus the saving grace of jesus in my life that's why i am who i am that's what you want people to know right i mean that's and by the way that conversation some of you are like man i've had that conversation anyone have that conversation before you're going to have that conversation because eventually whether it's a, a co-worker or a family member a boss a teacher classmate whoever it is there's going to be a time when they really get to know you and they go man you're just such a nice person and you're going to just have to stop them you go well no way actually naturally I, if you even knew who i would I, i'm actually not so nice but i am a christian i, I do follow jesus and I've, I've noticed that he's helping me a lot and in these areas he's really helping me he's actually teaching me how to love people he's teaching me how to be kind to per, uh, people he's teaching me how to treat people right and you know i haven't arrived yet i still got a long ways to go still make mistakes all the time but i know with jesus and with his help i'm growing and you and i actually get to have those conversations with people. My wife, she um, recently, she, most of you know she's at a local hospital, works as an ER tech. She's actually working there this morning. But she had a doctor tell her, and, and this doctor doesn't know she's a Christian, doesn't know she's married to a pastor, but it's just someone who kind of interacts with my wife on a daily basis at work. He, he said, you're a decent person. Give me hope in humanity in 50 words or less. Right, with everything going on right now in this world and everything that's going on uh, in our society, you're a decent person. Give me hope in humanity in 50 words or less. So do you think Mary went to the three-point sermon at that point? Well, she only had 50 words, so no. <laughs> but think about what she was able to do. She was able to give an answer. An answer. That door was opened. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in my wife's life. The door was open because of Jesus' good work in her life. Because of the joy that she has in Christ. Because of how she talks. Because of how she walks. And there it is. An ER doc. You're a decent person. And he asked her a pretty intense question about life. I think as we live the Christian life, as we follow the Lord, as we live by the Spirit instead of the flesh, I think the Lord's going to continue to open those doors for us. Open those doors. Because he 
will see the great commission fulfilled. But he wants to see it fulfilled through you and through me. So we got to walk, we got to talk as true followers of Christ. First Peter describes it pretty plainly. He says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Ask that question. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Do I act? Do I talk? Do I walk in a way where Jesus is the Lord of my life? Is he the Lord of my decisions? Is he the Lord of my choices? Is he the Lord of my words? And then he says, if someone asks you about the hope that you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So you got to live your life where Jesus is the Lord, but also be ready to share the hope that you have in Jesus. Paul, he, he talks to Timothy a little bit about the hope that he has in Christ. Listen to what Paul says. He says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And what does Paul say? I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You might just need to go home and read that one 10, 20, 30 times. That is a power-packed scripture. I mean, look at the hope that Paul has. Paul's saying, Jesus came to save sinners. But he's also saying, I, for one, I was the most helpless, hopeless case of them all. I was the worst of sinners. But he says, and yet God had mercy on me to show the world that God has patience. He has patience even with the worst of sinners. And as people see how patient God has been with me, they're going to realize that if there's hope for Paul or hope for Pastor Dan or hope for any of us, the worst of sinners, man, if there's hope for me, church, there's hope for anybody. And they're going to come and believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. Hallelujah. See, that's the hope that we have. Life spring, that's the hope that we have. The hope that you and I get to share with the world that by God's grace, it's big enough. His mercy, it's big enough. His love, it's big enough that anyone who is willing to put their faith in Jesus can be saved and given eternal life. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we share. So life spring, come on, let's go. Right, let's go. Let's go out as Christians. Be free, no longer under the slavery of this world. Be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Get excited. Breathe it in and breathe it out, right? Let your life be lived to the full. Work your tail off. Work hard. And when you work, work as unto the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with joy. Shine your light. Stop hiding it under a table. What a terrible way to use your light. Put it on a stand so that the whole world would see it and glorify your Father in heaven. And whatever part you have to play in fulfilling the Great Commission, as your pastor, I say, play it. Play it. Play it. Play it. Play it well. Play it with a passion. Play it with love. Play it with freedom. Play it with joy. The door is opening. God is opening doors all around our community, all around our world. You and I, let's be ready to share the hope that we have. Let's be ready to give an answer for the hope that you and I have in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I want to add this as I close. As you share, don't stress about it. It's amazing the anxiety and the fear that can rise up when you think about telling other people, about your story, about your journey, about what Jesus has done. But just relax a little bit. Just relax. You don't need to give the perfect sermon. You don't need to give the perfect speech. Relax. Take a step back and just tell your story. Tell your story. 
Tell them what Jesus has done in your life. And remember, this is important as well, you can't save people. You're not the Savior. You're not. But we know the one who is. God. God. God, he is the God who saves. And he's really, really good at his job. There's a good chance, church, LifeSpring, there's a good chance that he wants to use us, us, you and me, to share our story, to share what he has done, to play our part in his great plan of salvation. Hallelujah. At this point, I want to invite the worship team up. They, they put together just the most amazing song. And as they sing this song, I, I just want to encourage you, use this time to begin to pray for those people in your lives who maybe don't know the Lord. Whether it's a family member or, or a coworker, or a classmate, a good friend, that you just allow the Lord to bring them to mind and just begin to pray for them. But also, let's get real. Let's let's get honest on this thing. Let's ask the Lord for some help. Right? I think we need some help. God, would you show us? God, would you teach us how to shine your light in that relationship? Like practically, Lord, would you show us what it looks like to share? Your love with these people that are around me, right? It, some of us, we're just so arrogant. Sometimes we've got to humble ourselves. I know for myself, just like, God, I thought I knew all the answers, and I don't. So I actually need your help because I want the world to know about you. I want your good news to go out in the whole world. So God, help me. Teach me. I want to be a student. I want to be a learner. I know I haven't arrived yet. i got a long ways to go. But I know your Holy Spirit is willing and able to give me what I need, to teach me what I need to know so I can shine your light that the whole world might know the good news, the saving news, the radical love of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Would you stand with me? Let's pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your leading. We love you, Lord. We love you. I just pray that this church would be led by your grace, led by who you are and what you've done, but also what you're doing. You are reaching this world with your saving power, your saving grace. And Lord, you've called us to be a part of what you are doing. And we say yes. We say absolutely yes to playing our part in your great commission that you called us to go and baptize and make disciples but lord it's it's for your glory for your honor for your praise it's for you god and so as a church we offer our lives back to you again today jesus we offer our eyes back to you jesus our hearts back to you jesus our minds back to you jesus our bodies back to you jesus who we are from the inside out, we offer back to you, Jesus, to be used for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, I also just know that this needs to be said as we're praying, that many of us come into a place like this just hurt. That many of us come just broken. Many of us come uh, insecure and, and, and just defensive and just wounded. Just, this world is vicious. There's so much attack that happens. And we come in, and, and we're just barely making it. We're barely holding on. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray just that you would come in by your Spirit and just bring healing in this place. If this was a hospital, you would heal every sickness, every disease, because that's who you are. You're the great physician. 
But Lord, I know that when you heal us, you don't cause us just to stay in that bed. We get out of the bed, and we go and we play our part. And I just pray that, Lord, that you would give us what we need. Even now, that some people just need a supernatural miracle of your spirit to happen in their life. And it's not even just for them, Lord. It's for your glory and for what you want to do through them. And so I just pray right now, Lord, that any good gift you'd give us right now in this moment, any healing, any, any kind of powerful thing you'd do right now by your spirit, that it, we wouldn't just hold on to it and selfishly just kind of grab it and keep it to ourselves. But it would be something, just a gift from heaven above that would be laid upon us and upon our lives. But not that we would hold it, but that we would share it with those around us. So God, do something bigger and better right now than we could imagine. Do the miraculous, the supernatural, beyond what Pastor Dan or anyone else could describe or put down on paper. Do something beyond that. Do something that a God who created the universe would do. Do something the God who raised dead people back to life would do. Do that right now in your people, God. Not so that we would just hold on to it and hide it within the four walls of a church, but that we could begin to just tell the world how God good our God is, how faithful our God is, how powerful our God is. And we just say, come Holy Spirit, come and do the work that only you can do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to you, God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.